Hi folks, Jason Spore here with Templar Strategic Solutions out of West Virginia. If you're just discovering our podcasts, I want to welcome you along with those of you who have been following us to episode two of our podcast, Talks with Templar. Now let me go ahead and clarify that in part, today's episode will be a bit of an opinion piece and a response to a recent turn of events. What I mean by that is that this episode is being recorded today instead of after the holidays due to the commentary of one Mr. Chris Mikoski from Pennsylvania on one of our social media platforms. You see, a while back we decided to share the link to our new YouTube channel on that particular social media platform, and four to five days later, Chris decided to add his own commentary under the thread, which honestly irritated me beyond measure. His commentary began with, Seriously? Anyone that is for anything other than to restore our American Republic are traitors. There will be no more of any secret society in positions of authority in our United States of America. Now, because I tend to not follow or allow my clients, my business partners, our employees, you know, any of any of the folks associated with Templar to be harassed or waste their energy with such things, I took to the response. And my initial response to his commentary was, with due respect, sir, who are you and what in the world are you babbling about? We're a private security consulting and guard firm. There's nothing secret or related to any secret societies involved in what our firm does. We are literally public safety and security contractors. Closest thing you will find to any secret in the, is the fact that we require an NDA to be signed by our personnel regarding our clients and our own internal policies as a matter of OPSEC or InfoSec. His response to that was this. The Twitter files have unveiled the Masonic Horde New Order agenda. Every Mason is regarded as a traitor and will be dealt with as such when we the people seek to restore our American Republic. Choosing Templar in your name reveals your association to that domestic and international tyrannical terrorist organization known by we the people and the patriots of our republic as the Mason, the Mason Cabal Illuminati Eastern Star Ditto, because they repeat their crimes without concern of accountability, which is at hand for them all. Now, folks, forgive the horrific grammar there, the typos and misstates, but that was, in fact, a direct quote copied and pasted to our script from his comment. After reading that nonsense, I had to pause and take a few swallows of coffee to steady my nerves, not to mention get my temper in check before I could respond. Not because I care about his feelings, but because I do care about maintaining emotional control and trying my best to set a solid example for my team members and employees when it comes to professional deportment. Now, folks, let's really look at this entire situation. As I explained in further responses to Mr. Nikoski on the thread, the choice to take the name Templar doesn't come from any affiliation to any fraternal orders. 
but instead from a history of one of the founders of our company's surname, which traces all the way back to before the Free Knights. Think 12th century, folks. And yes, I get it. There are people who would say that I would have been better served to simply let this go and move forward with my life and my work and let this nonsense fall into obscurity. Unfortunately, that's not how I function. When someone challenges the loyalty of this company or our personnel to this great nation and the communities that we serve in, I become rather annoyed. And you see, aside from being one of the owners of Templar Strategic, I am the founder whose surname's history was the basis for choosing the name Templar. And were you to examine my family's history, you'd find a very long line of service to their nation and communities. From military service to first responders to medical professionals and even multiple ministers. To call me or any company that I am a part of unpatriotic, traitors, or treasonous is, well, beyond insulting. And add to that the implied threat in his second comment, there's no way I could reasonably just sit back and leave him to simply think that he'd managed some type of victory. I don't tolerate insults that challenge the professionalism of our company or my own personal loyalty to this great nation and my own personal professionalism. I, it will not go unanswered. With that being said, in this episode, we're going to look more deeply into public safety and the private security industry, more pointedly the risks and stressors we as public safety and private security professionals face and the tolls that they are taking on our industry's professionals. Let's take a look at a couple quick things. Leading causes of injury to security personnel. Obviously, slips, trips, and falls. Guys, I'm sorry. That's a pretty common risk. doesn't matter what kind of a job you're in. If you're up moving around, you run the risk of slipping, tripping, or falling. Where it impacts us as private security is a lot of times we're the ones out there in poor lighting. We're the ones walking in obscure areas where other employees and other people should not be venturing to begin with. But regrettably, let's take construction sites, for instance. You've got a laborer out there supposed to be pushing a broom, keeping walkways and all cleared. Something gets missed, a nail, a screw, a bolt, something that we can get under our foot and fall. It happens, okay? And believe it or not, we're all pretty accustomed to it, and we watch for it really well. But that's also why most security companies require oil and chemical-resistant non-slip soles on the patrol boots or whatever, whatever other footwear their officers or their guards are wearing. Next come assaults, okay? Assaults, this is another one of those. This applies to in-house or contract security. And folks, you may think I'm crazy when I say this. You would think that the contract security officer, the guy in the full uniform with the strong command presence, is going to be the least likely individual to be assaulted. The reality of that is, for whatever reason known only to human nature, and I caution all of you to follow the great advice I was given many few years ago by a great friend of mine, 
if you try to figure out people and you try to figure out every reason they do something, all you're going to do is drive yourself stupid. Not crazy. You're going to drive yourself absolutely stupid because ignorance is contagious, guys. But surprisingly, they're more likely to challenge a uniformed officer simply because we represent in uniform a stronger sense of authority. And most of the people that we deal with in an adverse manner do not like individuals in a position of authority telling them that they can not continue to engage in certain behaviors. It's just a painful reality, gang. It sucks, but it, it is what it is. Unfortunately, with assaults regarding contract security officers, it's not usually we just get shoved out of the way or we get lipped off at or someone takes a little like swat at us. It's usually closed fists or open hand slaps along with the shoves. It's also a matter of they will try, and I've had this happen to me in the field working more than once over the years. They will attempt to gain control of the tools on your belt, which doesn't usually work out well for them if you have a well-trained officer on the backside of that tool belt. But then there's, of course, contact with objects and animals, meaning... You know, we're out there working, and Johnny Dum-Dum down the road's overly aggressive dog gets out of their yard if they bother to have a fenced yard, or it slips its tether, and the security officer ends up getting bit. Or we're out there working a construction site after dark, and we encounter wild animals, or stray animals, and... For whatever reason, they decide to become aggressive. Sometimes it's the officer's fault. Sometimes it's not. Animal behavior is another thing we'll discuss later in another episode, perhaps. Okay, you know, contact with these objects. Obviously, you know, somebody leaves a razor blade tucked down in a flower pot or tucked behind a door handle. Or a tool gets dropped. Or there's a low clearance area because of scaffolding or whatever that isn't flagged and we end up running into it we end up getting ding dented damaged a little bit but again predominantly those are minor injuries thank heavens and then of course transportation accidents folks it doesn't matter if we are in a Marked vehicle, if we are traveling in our own vehicle, commuting from home to work or from job site to job site, security officers end up getting in accidents, especially patrol teams, because people will cut us off. People, people for whatever reason, assume that we're either A, superhuman, or B, there are those folks that they see any type of company vehicle, but especially fire department, law enforcement, public safety, and they will intentionally try to cause those vehicles, whether they are privately owned or they are owned by a municipality, a state, a county agency, they'll intentionally try to cause a motor vehicle accident and stage it in a manner where it does appear to be that officer's fault or that agency's fault. 
but they do so in order to, because strangely enough, while half of them don't understand how our industry works, they do know that commercial insurance pays out better than regular insurance. And most of them are aware that these companies have to have massive policies. And, I mean, it's it's like the old ambulance chasers from back in the day, you know, the, the shyster attorney out there that he'd hear an ambulance and he'd be following the ambulance from a car wreck to the emergency room and he wants to speak to that patient right now and they're still trying to save that individual's life, but that lawyer wanted to talk to him because, man, I think you've got a case here. I, I think we could really take him to the cleaners. And that's a lot of where this comes from now. And then you have overexertion, okay? Overexertion is one of the reasons we have daily hourly caps at Templar. None of our personnel are allowed to work more than three consecutive 16-hour shifts. And they are not allowed to work more than 16 hours in a 24-hour period. They must have eight hours of downtime. We do offer a a more substantial overtime incentive than many of our competitors in the area. We pay what some people call California overtime. Other people refer to it as federal overtime. That's when you anything you work over eight hours is classified as overtime pay. And we do that at Templar because, honestly, we want to attract and retain the best of the best. We're not interested in folks that are using us for a stepping stone. We're interested in folks that want to utilize Templar as a career starting point and remain with us for the next 20 to 30 years. So obviously in order to have those types of incentives and those types of employees, we have to be able to back that up with not just a, hey man, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Here's a pizza party for your team's hard work. But instead, hey, man, we see your skills. We see your capabilities. We see the value of you as an individual and as an asset to our company and as an ambassador to our clients and to the public. So we're going to pay you what you're worth. Now, unfortunately, not every competitor out there, not every security firm, governmental or otherwise for that matter, have those types of rules in place and they'll let people eat up overtime or they'll take on more work than they have manpower for. And in order to cover those contracts, they'll work their people 12, 16, 18 hours a day, seven days a week, for weeks on end with no break, with no rest. And or you'll have officers that they want to do this work. They love this work. They are happy in this work. But they can't find a job that pays them enough, so they're out there and they work for two companies or they work two and three jobs. And they become exhausted. And exhaustion, folks, it doesn't just take a physical toll on the body in saying, hey, I'm tired. It breaks you down internally. It slows your reflexes. It slows your cognitive ability. And it begins to affect your physical health. You know, if you're out there walking and you're exhausted, you're on a foot patrol on a property, you're exhausted, you're not going to pay as, attention, as much attention to those details as is needed. And when that happens, folks, 
people get hurt. Simple as that. And then, of course, you know, there's the exposure to harmful substances or environments. And this moves into any number of situations, but any and all, I mean, everywhere you go, there are chemicals of some type, okay? Whether it be cleaning chemicals, maybe it's an adverse reaction or allergic reaction to a strong perfume or cologne worn by someone you encounter on the job site. And unfortunately, if you have that reaction, I've seen people go into respiratory distress. I've seen people's eyes swell in water. Again, like I say, it, it is allergic reaction. It's a reaction that creates histamine and or triggers histamine release. And when that happens, you know, again, the officer is unable to see clearly they may be because of the discomfort or the impact to the reaction to these substances they're not able to give 100% attention to their surroundings and to their tasks and again this officer ends up being injured and of course dangerous environments again we touched a few moments ago on construction sites or you know spills in let's say they're working a retail security contract somewhere in a store and there's a spill on a tile and it goes undetected or un unrepaired or you have a water line that causes a wet spot on a tile floor or a vinyl floor again we go back to the falls but it happens or let's say let's examine a security contract I worked for two seasons down in North Carolina down in Carteret County around 2018-2019 I was assigned to a couple different com condo complexes as, as the senior officer's supervisor and one of those sites had a fairly large clubhouse it was a very nice clubhouse this particular set of condominiums had originally been a hotel so what they did is they took the main guest center the office space and the small bar and lounge that was originally in that building they turned that into their clubhouse when they took it over as a condominium complex with an hoa well between hurricane damage from prior storms and then the two hurricanes we had the summer of 2018 there in north carolina the facility ended up with mold and mildew growing on the walls on the sheetrock and of course after the storms in 2018 they did not replace the guard shack that they had provided not long prior to that even which i will go ahead and tell you folks it didn't hurt my feelings to see that guard shack go because and I, I'm going to be straightforward about it. I am six foot two in my boots, approximately, and I average now about 195. When I was working that contract, I was about 160 to 180. I was a bit more trim, a little bit more squared away physically. Not that I'm in bad shape now, but there was not room comfortably in what they called a guard shack 
for me and one office chair to sit sit squarely in order for me to do my paperwork. And needless to say, when the storms came in 2018 and I watched video and news clips of my office chair floating through the side through their parking lot and saw what was left of the guard shack torn over because it hadn't been properly anchored it did not hurt my feelings folks to see it go and it absolutely did not hurt my feelings when they decided not to restore it because again let's face reality if it's not big enough for a fairly average sized man what's going to happen with the contract when a new officer is assigned that has a bit more girth about them or a wider shoulder set or they're taller than myself they would have been absolutely miserable in that structure so I was quite content to see it gone but unfortunately, what option that left me was either A, work from my vehicle constantly, which in 2018, I was operating my 2003 Ford Ranger Club Cab, which was plenty of vehicle for the job. I had plenty of room to keep my tools and equipment behind the seat in the extended portion of the cab. Obviously, I had enough room for my, I'll call them more advanced tools just to keep everything PC. All I'll say is you didn't want me to have to drag them out because it was really going to hurt and it was going to poke holes in things, okay? Usually at higher velocity. Now, that would have been great, except move into 2019, and I'm back on this site again. Well, in 2019, I was operating a 1999 Dodge Durango. By that time, my wife and I we hadn't been married. We hadn't married yet, but we had moved to my hometown of Spencer, West Virginia. We had bought a cute little thousand square foot two bedroom, three bedroom home. Nothing fancy. It was a walkthrough den and dining room with a galley style kitchen, a laundry room, master bedroom, and then two smaller rooms off the side of the house. But it was ours, okay? My wife had gone back. She had managed. She, we came home in November. She went back to North Carolina in December to work a winter contract that our employer had that had, well, it was eating them up on overtime. And she saw an opportunity to earn a rather good amount of money, and she took it which I was happy, you know, but while she was gone, we ended up getting rid of the Ranger and she ended up deciding to get rid of her Kia that she drove at the time. So I bought, uh, when I bought my vehicle to replace the Ranger, I ended up with that 99 Durango, which gave me a lot more room. I do employ a service dog 
for my epilepsy. So having that animal and having room to actually put his kennel in was very convenient for me. But what options I was left with the mold damage to the clubhouse was either work from my vehicle or work in their clubhouse if I wanted to do everything and keep everything right. Well, unfortunately, because of the way their property was laid out, there were there was quite a bit of time that I needed to be either A, up and mobile constantly, or B, I needed to be where I could see both sides of the property, and the clubhouse sat right in the center. So in order to have somewhere secure to complete my paperwork, and still be able to monitor the important areas, which were their primary parking and their pool area, because A, I could see their pool area, B, I could see both beach accesses, which helped me deter trespass, and of course helped me deter any adverse or negative situations at their swimming pool, I would have to go in that building, and I would usually spend as little time as I could in there. It was usually 20 to 30 minutes at most. And I noticed... And it took me a while to spot it because, well, fatigue, being out on that bright sunlight all the time, especially there at the beach, plus the added stress, I didn't think much of, you know, middle of my day, taking a little bit of a headache and needing to go take some type of over-the-counter pain reliever or just power through the pain. But I noticed... After I stopped working in there, the headaches stopped. And what it was determined is that I was reacting to the mold in that clubhouse. And unfortunately, that client, neither the property management nor the homeowners association and property owners association for that condo complex was in any way inspired or inclined to provide any alternative work location for their security teams. Now, some of you think that's not that big a deal, but let me help you out with the summer of 2019. Like I say, you know, I was in the 160 to 175 category when I started my season down in North Carolina in the summer of 2019. By the time I returned to West Virginia the fall of 2019, I was down to less than 140 pounds. I was averaging upwards of 100 hours a week from Memorial Day to Labor Day. And unfortunately... 2019 was a bad year for that company. We faced staffing issues because, of course, with the hurricanes, with the hurricane damage still being very prominent, many of the construction companies were hiring day laborers for more than what we were able to pay in a week at our billing rates. And obviously, the clients did not want to pay a higher billing rate. So here we are already suffering and struggling to attract and retain decent personnel. And then my wife, who worked with us at the time, she was also a field supervisor. Plus, she, she experienced one of the slip strips and fall situations 
we had a rather impatient guest try to check in on the property where she was the assistant site lead and trying to get out of the way of their six to seven thousand pound SUV when they decided to go gun their throttle coming through the gate at, to check in after hours, she stepped across to median, which all of us had done a million times that worked that property, except one difference that night. And that difference being that there was a failed sprinkler riser and the grass had not been cut yet that week. Now, the lighting was not optimal, obviously. Well enough, you could see where you were stepping, but you're not going to see every detail. She hung her foot on that malfunctioning sprinkler riser. My wife fell onto her elbow on the outbound travel lane with such force that she shattered her left elbow. Okay. Now, maybe some of you are, are going to sit there and throw at me with the whole, she should have been more aware and more alert. Well, I'm sorry. The five to six inch trip hazard wasn't as obvious to her at the moment as her seeing six to seven thousand pounds of big dark colored SUV about to turn her into a hood ornament. She made a conscious choice to step out of the way of the moving vehicle and her reward was a shattered elbow. But to help cover the now missing 160 man hour coverage a month with her unfortunately being injured and out indefinitely. I started working not only my scheduled shifts, but hers as well. And yes, I did that in part to ensure the coverage, but I also did that to make sure that her credentials would be preserved because in all truth, in North Carolina, the licensure, depending on what company you're with, can be a little brutal. Some of these companies, if you miss more than a couple of days of work, they'll report you as terminated with the state. And I didn't want to see my wife lose credentials. She had worked very hard to earn by her own merit and skill. And so I picked up the load. Beyond that reasoning, I was also her staff NCO on the job. She was a corporal. I was the staff sergeant for the company. And as the staff sergeant, you know, my job is to make sure my guys are good. Man, woman, or man, woman, or idiot, teenager. And no, I don't think all teenagers are idiots. Just a handful of the ones I've met over the past few years, and that's probably because I'm getting older and my whiskers are turning white and I am becoming grumpy. But my job is to make sure everybody is squared away and everybody has the uh, the best opportunities to succeed that is available. Now, unfortunately, folks. Where the problem began there is, of course, fatigue. And I can assure you it was to a point that my wife was beginning to find herself greatly concerned for my health. And because of logistics issues and other factors, she was staying with her family 
about 30 to 40 minutes away from where we worked because of my role and responsibility within the company, among, again, other factors, I was staying on the beach. I was staying right there locally. I could be to any one of our primary contracts in 15 minutes or less, and 15 minutes being our farthest out. And regrettably, you know, I went to her family's home to visit as much as I was physically able to do so with what little bit of downtime I had. One of the first times I stopped and visited with her, I had a cold Budweiser long neck in my hand. Just a standard Budweiser long neck, folks. And I sat down, put my feet up on her bed. I'm sitting there sipping my beer and just spending some time with the woman I love. And I don't remember falling asleep, but I do know there was still three quarters of a beer in my hand and I'd only taken about two swallows. I was so exhausted, almost the minute I sat down, I lost consciousness. I was that exhausted. So, yes, whether people realize it or not, the overexertion thing is very dangerous. Now I want you to look at and consider with me the... 2021 peak of the COVID pandemic. During that time, we had a rate of approximately 94 deaths per 100,000 in male security officers, according to most statistics which are readily available. Roughly 94 out of every 100,000. Yeah, it's only 1%, but that is 94 deaths out of every 100,000 men in the job. That's not even counting the women, folks. That's just the men. And you know what? <clears throat> we were wearing masks. We were wearing gloves. We were sanitizing. But we still had it to deal with. And we were still out there. We were still on the front line. And we were still getting exposed regularly. I'm one of the fortunate ones. I've had both of my COVID-19 vaccinations, and round one, I ended up with a pretty sore arm. Round two, arm was a little sore, and I spent about 24 hours that I felt like I had probably one of the worst cases of summer flu I'd ever had in my life. I was lethargic, I was beat down, but I was successful in eventually snapping right back out of it. And like I say, the side effects only lasted a couple months for me. But that's me, okay? I'm one individual, and I have a pretty sturdy immune system. Now, second off, you know, let's look at the suicide rates for private security. Right now, the most recent statistic I was able to pull shows a suicide rate for private security at 5.3 per 1 million officers. Any number above zero is too damn many people. But that's what we're looking at. 5.3 per 1 million right now. And... 
I don't even want right now to think about how many of those are on the job suicides, guys. You think that we do nothing. You think that we just sit in guard checks. You think that we just sit there with our feet propped up, twiddling our thumbs, playing on our phones, and drinking stale coffee. Or you think some of them are out there on Barney Fife level power trips. The reality of things, people, is the ones that are out there really trying to do this job are tired. We are beyond tired, folks. And again, I want to hammer back to you. 5.3 per 1 million die of suicide. They're taking their own weapon. They're eating a bullet or they're hanging themselves or they're slitting their wrist or they're eating a handful of pills and hitting the ground, guys. Okay, it's a horrible thing to lose a brother to the hands of someone that is there to make bones, that's there to do them harm on purpose. It's heartbreaking to lose them to their own hand. It's not just heartbreaking, it's infuriating. <clears throat> because I have seen, I have been there, folks. I have seen it for myself. Good men and women, damn good men and women, folks, out there trying to be a positive impact, giving their all, doing everything they can to help people. And regardless of how hard they've worked to get where they're at, regardless of what they've put forward to earn their ranks, regardless of what they have put out physically to achieve where they are in the company, no matter how much they're studying to better themselves, and no matter how cordial they've attempted to be to people, they are abused verbally. They're abused physically. They are treated as if they are unskilled, unrecognized labor. They are pushed to the point that they can't take it. They are pushed to their breaking point. And I don't know if some of you understand this or not, but I want you to look at it from my perspective, and I want you to hear the words falling out of my mouth, guys. These folks are human, just like you. They have breaking points, people. Now, folks, we, we've looked at that, and you know everybody sits there, and again, I'm sure there's somebody out there still saying, oh, well, it's just security. It's not that stressful. It's just security. Okay, guys, let's examine a young officer that I had the pleasure of working with five years and change. And let's examine a situation that occurred to him just after he completed his armed service training. And he had some stellar scores. He had stellar range scores. This is a young man who I know personally values human life. I know this is a young man who stands head and shoulders above many of his colleagues and many of his professional peers. And I say that because that young man has proven to me to be a stellar officer. He was working a fairly large security contract 
again in Carteret County, a rather large resort property right there on the beach. And they had a gentleman come in in a lifted pickup truck. Now, all of these properties, for those of you that aren't familiar with how these resorts work, issue parking passes of some type. Usually the guest passes and contractors passes are a tag that hang off of either the mirror stock or they are simply a 6x3 or 6x5, 9x6 little slip of paper, sometimes laminated, sometimes not, that denotes what unit the vehicle is assigned to on the property, what you know, what period the pass is good for, etc. But what happens is a lot of folks do not realize that when we say we need that clearly displayed, it also means we can't just look at the back of your tag. You need to have it turning facing out so people can see it. And if you're running the little paper tag, you need to have it propped up in some manner where it's visible, not just laying on your dashboard or tucked behind your visor. And this particular young officer is a bit on the shorter side. He's a little bit shorter statured than some of us. So seeing into the windshield of a lifted truck is already a little complicated. But then let's point out that it's after dark and the gentleman operating the lifted pickup truck had the aftermarket style headlight, white hot headlights that, well, if you've ever been out on the highway in the past 10 years, you already know what I'm talking about. They'll burn your retinas out at 100 yards. Well, so here the young man is. He's almost blinded by the headlights. He's struggling to see the permit. The guy starts to go past and blow his gate. The officer makes him stop. And you know what? He did exactly what he was supposed to. It's like, hey, excuse me, wait a minute. Who are you? Why are you coming onto this property? I don't see a parking pass. Well, that gentleman decided to, one, become very belligerent with this young officer, called him out of his name, called him a few choice words. And then that man, of course, he did produce a parking pass, which I'm sorry to say, it wouldn't have mattered to me if he'd produced it or not. I would have personally put him off the property right then. We, we would not have been able to have a civil conversation after yelling at me. But the gentleman operating that pickup truck decides to state to the younger officer, well, I'll blow your damned head off. Loose quote. And as he started down out of the vehicle, that young officer almost had to cross that line, folks. His hand was on his weapon. The hood was off. He had started to clear holster before he realized the intellectually compromised individual coming out of the driver's side seat of that vehicle to confront him was, in fact, not visibly armed. So what does that young officer do in a matter of a tenth of a second? He transitions his hand from his firearm to his OC spray, which caused the idiot, and yes, I'll call the man that was driving that truck an idiot, to put his hands in the air and take a step back. 
long story short on that, folks, once the police reports were made, the gen the client obviously was advised, and the gentleman who had decided to threaten our officer was escorted off the property and on a do not lease list with placed on a do not lease list with the resort. And in a perfect world, folks, that'd be the end of this. Except we're a couple years past that event now. And I still interact with that young officer quite regularly. And it still weighs on him. It still bothers him that he was simply trying to do his job. He was simply trying to verify a parking pass. And it almost became a situation where he, at 21, 22 years old, almost had to end another human life over something as petty as a parking pass because someone did not like security stopping them and saying, hey, I can't see your parking pass. Do you mind showing? Think about that for a minute, people. Think about that for a minute. A man threatened to blow a security officer's head off and almost got his own blown off over something as simple as holding up a piece of paper so it could be seen clearly from the ground. But we don't have stressful jobs. You think about that a minute. You just think about that for a minute, guys. Okay. We don't have stressful jobs, but let me give you a one in a million stressor. Spoke earlier about my wife shattering her elbow. Okay. Like I said, I was the staff NCO for that company at the time. I was their staff sergeant. I was the guy that made sure all the sites ran proper. I was also the senior officer for that site, which meant that was one of my pet sites. That was one of the sites where I was listed as the immediate security supervisor. So this is my subordinate officer, not just my wife. She was also my assistant site lead. I let her run the show. I stayed out of the way. I worked another large condo complex about a half a mile to a mile down the road. That was my primary. But I had come in that evening because she was on a shift that should have been getting off duty soon. And she and I were going to go have a late dinner together and spend just a little bit of time as a couple. Or at least that had been my intention was to invite her to let's go have a late dinner and just do, do something as a couple since we've got a little bit of downtime coming. Because we hadn't had any time together as a couple. Okay, so when my officer goes down, I'm right there. I'm on my knee. I've got my dog working. He's holding back traffic, foot traffic and otherwise. And when I first start the triage, everything's great. Female, approximately 28 years old, X number of pounds, insulin-dependent diabetic, trip-and-fall situation, injury to left elbow, potentially shoulder, no immediate signs of concussion. X number of months pregnant. Yeah, you heard me right. X number of months pregnant. 
my wife was somewhere around seven and a half, eight months pregnant when she took that home. Okay. Her relief had just started to the property. I got her up onto her feet. I got her back in the guard shack, put the dog with her. I told the dog to watch her. I told her I would get the I would get the guests taken care of and we would roll EMS. We would get the situation taken care of. Well, folks, it took everything in me not to hurt who was driving that dark-colored SUV when he decided to become belligerent over me because he was angered. Now, he watched my officer take the fall, okay? He was angry that it had taken me an additional 10 minutes to get around getting up to the main office to check him in after hours because I was tending to an injured, pregnant security officer. Let me tell you, you want stress? Know that the woman you or the person in general that you love is laying there injured because of the impatience of a tourist. Okay? Then be a father and hold back the urge to absolutely decimate someone because they are the direct cause of an injury that could in fact jeopardize the life of your unborn child. And they're ripping into you because they were inconvenienced by 10 minutes getting checked in to a glorified hotel suite. Yes, folks, I get it. You know, people need to go to these condo complexes and things like that. And, you know, I understand some people think that that makes them special. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't treat people with a little common decency and courtesy, okay? Now, when people look at the unskilled portion of what we do in private security, Okay, I, I get that. You know, everybody, oh, security's unskilled. Security don't know this. Security doesn't know that. Blah, 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 blah. Well, folks, you're not wrong. Okay, there are some levels of security work that are classified unskilled and that honestly do not require any skill training. But guys, think about this just a little bit. Use your heads just a small amount for me on this. Okay. If I take a security and we'll, we'll use North Carolina for an example because I'm very familiar with their qualifications. In the state of North Carolina, the last time I looked at it, for a cadet to graduate basic law enforcement training, their rookie school, they only had to qualify with a 70% on the range. Now, agencies, agencies usually have a little higher, okay? But to graduate, the last time I looked at it, and it may have changed since then, I'm getting older, but the minimum passing score for a handgun qualification for a law enforcement officer, a sworn police officer, folks, was 70% out of the academy. And then you look at the Private Protective Services Board, in North Carolina, and their requirement for an armed guard 
and it's a minimum of 80. Now, folks, for those of you that don't understand it, this is a 100-round course. It is 250-round shoots, one day, one low-light, altered-light night. And it's all under stress. It's, under, it's all timed. It's under stress. If you've got a good range master, he's yelling at you because he's pushing you. He's intentionally making your adrenaline go up so that you have to do better, that you have a better understanding of how you're actually going to shoot under stress. It's not all about assuming the weaver position or the isosceles position. It is about shooting from isosceles. It is also about shooting from the kneel, from the prone, shooting offhand, shooting single hand. All of this, again, a certain number of rounds fired in a certain amount of time. And if you don't pass, you can't go on. Sometimes an armed position can mean the difference of a dollar or two an hour. Or it can mean the difference between 10 and $12 an hour, depending on where the site or where the contract's at, guys. Now, I know that's not necessarily a big point for some of you. But I'm going to help you understand something. Okay. I'm going to help you understand a real big thing here. Most armed security guards that are in this business professionally, not just as a fly-by-night, are professional shootists. Meaning they train for expert or beyond level proficiency with their sidearm. Now, you look at that young officer that I discussed a few moments ago that almost had to shoot a man over something as foolish as a parking pass or over a confrontation that began, began over something as minuscule as a parking pass. And realize... That we can send rain, we can send rounds downrange with lethal accuracy under stress very quickly. And we are not taught, and neither are the police or anybody else that's been taught to shoot by a sensible instructor to shoot to injure. Folks, we are literally trained to shoot center mass. We are taught to aim for the easiest target with the most damage done. We are taught to shoot to kill. We're not there to shoot you in the shoulder. We're not there to shoot you in the knee. When we draw our weapon, if we are preparing to open fire, we are preparing to end your life. Because if it's come to the point we've gone for our weapon, it is a life or death situation across the board. I know a young man in his early to mid-twenties right now carrying that burden when he was working a simple residential contract, a simple confounded condominium resort, guys. That young man, his first experience working as an, uh, as an armed, armed officer 
where he has to escalate to use of force and it damn near goes lethal. But we don't have a stressful job, guys. I paced the floor while we waited in the emergency department and later up in the OB area making sure that my wife and I weren't going to lose our first son. I've had quite a few surgeries and some very major injuries over the years, guys. Not necessarily work-related. I was young and careless. But I'm pretty handy at reading an x-ray. Because I've seen a lot of my own. And... See, I, I wasn't aware they had those nice new digital x-ray dealies that rolled in like a fancy cart and you could see the picture it had taken right there on a printout screen. My heart absolutely sank when I saw what should have been a career-ending injury for my wife. I think her final settlement from workers' compensation was twelve, maybe $1,500, guys. That's it. For a shattered elbow. Here it is, 2002 almost. Or 2022, almost 2023. She shattered her arm in 2019. She still deals with residual pain. She still deals with trouble with her shoulder hanging and aching. But the job's not stressful, okay? That, that's, that's what everybody wants to tell us. And then all of a sudden we have some conspiracy nut, and that's what I'm going to call him, leaning far right. And folks, before you think I'm coming down on Republicans, let me tell you a little secret. I am a conservative Republican. Proudly so. Even a member of one of our local Republican executive committees. Okay? So... Pull your heels. This gentleman, Mr. Nikoski, Nikoski, however he says his name, from Pennsylvania, he leans so far right, I don't want him to ever say he's a Republican because then I'm going to have to change political affiliations. Simple as that, guys. But then we've got some, like I said, we've got some nutter like him out there claiming that because we have the name Templar. We're affiliated with the Masons and all this other weird New order, new World Order nonsense. Mr. Nikoski, Nikoski, however you say your dad blasted name, if you're listening to my podcast, do me a favor, buddy. Seek some medical help. Go talk to somebody, my guy. Get on some meds. You need the help. I swear to God you need the help. You are not a patriot, good sir. You are not a concerned American citizen, sir. You are leaning very rapidly toward being a zealot and a fanatic. Your mental hygiene is in question here with the posts that we found on social media. We won't discuss them here because I'm not going to give you that much of my spotlight. 
you don't deserve it, sir. But, you know, the thing being, when people like Mr. Nikoski make these foolish statements with everything else that we deal with, folks, I struggle to be able to continue simply focusing on all of the standards that we really need to be focusing on, like getting some more clearly defined training standards set up not just on an individual level, but on a national level even. And we don't need a lot of those at the national level, but some general basics would be great. Okay, some basics here in West Virginia beyond the B-18 for unarmed with a clean criminal history background and a clean moral character, you know, give me a little bit more to go with on that. You know, give me some mandated curriculum hours. Give me some standardized curriculum. Help us be better as professionals in the state. Okay. National levels, you know, and definitely here in West Virginia, we won't even discuss national levels yet. Definitely here in West Virginia, for the love of God, with my armed security personnel, yes, we have very strong, very strict internal policies at Templar, and we have some fairly solid standards at Templar for what we will, what we require of our men and women. But could the state maybe step up their game a little bit? You see, here in West Virginia, the only primary training requirement for an armed guard is that they have a West Virginia carry concealed permit. Okay, now here, here's my problem with that, guys. We're a constitutional carry state. And guess what? When you're a constitutional carry state, gang, how much weight do you think the instructors are still putting behind the carry concealed permit that they're not allowed to charge you more than $50 for the class? It's either $50 or $55. I'd have to double check with Lieutenant Love, our senior instructor, because he's our West Virginia Department of Justice certified firearms instructor. But, you see, the problem is, is that I know too many, and I've witnessed them firsthand, even right here in Roan County, looking at you, privately owned gun shop that teaches the carry conceal class, I'm not going to call you out, but you know who you are. I know for a fact there are instructors out here that if they like you, if you can talk to them and seem to know what you're talking about, about firearm safety and firearm laws, you slip them their 50 or 55 bucks, they'll give you the certificate. No classroom, no range time. They'll just give you the certificate, guys. Now, you think about that, especially when that carry concealed permit issued by the high sheriff of the county is the absolute only requirement under the state's mandates to work as an armed security guard. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. That scares the hell out of me. And I don't mean to sound funny. I, I know my voice changed a little bit. I know my accent's a little thick. Y'all will just have to overlook me. But, 
Guys, this is absurd. It really is. Some jag-off like this bringing that kind of stress, babbling his conspiracy theory nonsense. And yes, I'm going to call it nonsense, and if you play into his game, then you deserve to be offended. You know, people wonder why we bill so much on the hour. Well, it's because we have to, because we don't have a decent mandate from the state regarding training, we have to make sure our people are trained correctly. And that means sitting down with Lieutenant Love, and, who is a sworn law, active duty sworn law enforcement here in West Virginia, aside from being our senior instructor. But we have to sit down with him. We have to sit down with the owners and our leadership team, and we have to make certain that we are providing our personnel with the best tools for success. And one of the greatest tools for success, of course, is adequate and proper applicable training. So we spend that money, we spend that time. Whereas if the state would give us a nice little curriculum, maybe a textbook or two to work from, we might be able to get it done better. And not only that, I bet you you would have far higher professional standards among all of these private security officers because they would all be held to the same initial standard, gang. Now, again, we look at this, and guys, I'm going to tell you, it drives me insane when I say this, but, you know, I got some, I, I've, just, I've got too much going on to worry about someone like Mr. Nikoski for very long. Yes, I know I've given about an hour and a half, hour, hour and a half to this podcast, and he's been brought up a few times because I'm going to keep hammering on the idiot. I don't like him. I don't like people like him. I don't like people that, as the cliche goes, continue to drink the Kool-Aid. To help you understand, he is one of those that babbles about stolen elections, okay? I'm a Republican, and I'm going to tell you, I may not have liked the results of the election that put President Biden in office personally. Because, well, yeah, definitely didn't agree with the man's political stance. We're not going to discuss things like Benghazi and things like that, where, you know, under a former administration of which Mr. Biden was part of, you know, we lost innocent American lives while that administration sat on their laurels. But that's neither here nor there. See, that's a personal opinion. But I wasn't out there trying to tip things over and burn the streets because the Republican president didn't make the cut. Okay, the people, the, the, the population spoke. The vote made the decision that we would have a Democrat president for at least four years. Life happens, gang. We move forward. We progress. We try our best to survive. But, you know, I'll tell you. Whether I liked it or didn't like it, you know, I didn't say it was stolen. I just said, well, there it is. You know, those are the results. And there are processes for disputing those things, and they went through them. But if you want to talk politics with me, let's talk about House Bill 2645 in West Virginia. It's been on the floor for some time. 
I believe it's pretty well backburnered right now. But 2645, there was a provision in it that would allow a immense change in authority for private security officers here in West Virginia. I mean, we can detain under certain retail laws, and of course, if we witness certain criminal acts. But again, there's no real citizen's arrest law here that I've ever encountered. And beyond that situation there, we also encounter that in 2645, they want, in the House Bill 2645, they want to amend the verbiage, and it's the powers of arrest for correctional officers, etc., on state property and such. Well, they want to amend that to add the same verbiage, but to include private security guards. And here's why I support that so hugely, okay? The reason I support that so hugely in this state is not because I think everybody out there deserves arrest authority, because they don't. But what would be fantastic is that amendment would require or would open the door for the state to require some standardized mandated training. Folks, that part is amazing. Standardized training requirements. Training and standards, guys. That's all we're asking for. But we're part of the Illuminati and all this because, you know, mm -hmm. as my one of my business partners and I joked, I believe, yesterday when we were discussing this gentleman's commentary, if we're part of the Illuminati, our bank account looks really funny because it ain't got nowhere enough near, enough zeros behind it. Okay, we work for every penny we got, just like y'all, I promise. But, you know, it's, it's getting to the point now, if we don't stand up and address people like Mr. Nikoski, and we don't address the dire dire need for more standardized training to be available and hold higher levels of accountability professionally. And I'm sorry, yes, I am one of those guys. I firmly believe there is no such thing as too much transparency or accountability when it comes to general operations in law enforcement and public safety. And I never will, I, I, you will never hear me say there is not, that there is too much training. You cannot train too often. You cannot train too hard. It's that simple. And, but you know, it, we've got to get this fixed. And it's got to start, folks, not always at a governmental level, but gang, it needs to start and start start today at the grassroots ground level. We as security professionals need to hold our employers and ourselves accountable. We also need to hold our clients accountable. Now, folks, I have just about ran for 70 minutes, 72 minutes, with this particular broadcast. 
and I know some of it's just been a rant. I hope you've been able to tolerate it. I thank those of you that have stuck with us and listened to what I had to say today. We'll try to get you some better content for episode three. Most likely, gang, episode three is not going to come out until after New Year's. I am a father, and I do want to spend some holiday time with the people I love. And most importantly, I want to spend some time with my wife and kids. And, of course, those of you that know me personally, you already know that my youngest daughter's birthday is coming in just a few days. And I'm not missing that for anything. I don't care. Short of a client site burning down, I don't want to know about it if it involves work on my youngest birthday. That day is all about her and family doing the family thing together and making memories. So, no, I, I can't promise you that any of our marketing material or that our social media platforms or our podcasts are going to be updated for a day or two while we are, in fact, addressing the whole holiday season and the time to be with families. But folks, please, by all means, stay with us. Email us at info at TemplarStrategicSolutions.com if you've got any suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us cover. If you want to learn more about our company as a whole, by all means, go visit TemplarStrategicSolutions.com. While you're there, please feel free to visit TSS store. We have a very fairly heavy assortment of self-defense products, safety products, personal safety products, traffic safety products, a few range, range pieces of range equipment. We don't sell as much as some companies, but that's because we're not looking at selling. We're not looking at becoming a vendor for holsters under our branding. But we do want you to have access to accessories and range equipment as long as we're able to find vendors that allow us to offer these things at a great price. And, of course, we do offer our Templar Strategic Solutions branded coffee. You can't miss it. Watch for the red Templar's helm on the black bags. Now, folks, it's been a pleasure getting to talk to you today. Thank you for hearing me out and letting me get some of my frustration and concerns off my chest with this today. And we look forward to see, we look forward to you being with us for episode three. Have a great day, folks.